Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Hello Stem Cells at Lunch Digested listeners, I'm Ella Hubber, a PhD student with the Department of Diabetes. Today I'll be speaking to Dr. Junyu Du, also known as Bebe, a clinical research fellow here at the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine and also at the Francis Crick Institute. Um, she's here to talk about her research characterizing cells in the pylosebaceous unit at a single yep, cell resolution. <laughs> Thank you for joining me, Bobe. No problem. Pleasure. So do you mind just starting by giving us a brief overview of your research in a, to a layman audience? Sure. So um, my background is that um, I'm a dermatologist. So I've been training in dermatology since um, 2016. And... Um, you know, as, as everyone knows, um, acne is a very common skin problem and um, conditions which are acneiform or acne-like are really, really common um, in dermatology clinics, but a huge number of them are really poorly understood and the treatment options are non-existent or just really, really bad. So um, it was really observing this in clinic which inspired me to think about, you know, what can we do from a basic science perspective to make this knowledge base a little bit better and potentially find new therapeutic um, targets for drugs. Um, and basically I came across the uh, concept of the human cell atlas whilst I was working clinically with Magnus, who's one of the group leaders here. Um, the human cell atlas is this big international collaborative effort to um, characterize every single cell in the human body. Um, so a bit like the Human Genome Project, but um, using a new a, a new technology called single cell RNA sequencing. So in single cell RNA sequencing, you uh, dissociate cells or look at some sort of cell suspension, and then uh, look at the gene expression profile of every single unit in that um, suspension, essentially. So then you end up with um, a huge data set of all of the cells with all of their expressed genes. It's very, very messy, noisy data. But the idea is, is that you can then uh, begin to understand how each cell differs from one another um, in, you know, a big, in, in a tissue or in a suspension such as blood. And it's a really powerful technology. And um, basically, that my PhD is aimed at trying to apply this technology to um, looking at the pilosebaceous unit which is diseased in acne. And um, so looking at it both in normal physiology and then comparing it to in diseased states such as acne vulgaris or acneiform conditions. Brilliant. So how do you see this translating over to uh, healthcare and treatment of acne? So um, I think the translational step is still a challenge, to be honest, because, um, you know, obviously when I went, came into the PhD, I just about understood what single cell RNA sequencing is. It's still a very new yeah. technology and a lot of people probably have heard of it but don't really understand what it what its potential truly is. And so I've spent the last eight months, um, which is when I started my PhD, really trying to get to grips with what, um, what it actually is. Okay, so computational methods to model scenario A to scenario B. Um, but as I've discovered, um, you know, these computational methods to... Uh, look at gene expression are not without, um, they're not infallible and certainly things can be made to look very good and neat and fitting yeah. nicely into boxes when that isn't the reality because 
there's so much denoising required to make sense of single cell data. And there's a fine line between denoising and massaging data. Um, it's like using um, photo uh, image editing tools mm. to make your images look better. And there is a certain technique to making things truthful without distorting information. Absolutely. I've actually just come up and do this interview, taken a break from my own um, single cell RNA-seq data. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I'm finding it incredibly difficult to understand. Yeah. Um, how, are you doing the analysis yourself? Yes. How are you finding that? Um, so, I mean, what I've been doing so far has been relatively, I think, basic from a sort of computational perspective. So I've... Um, been mostly using R packages to analyze the data and um, luckily the data sets I've been looking at nothing has been so difficult to to denoise that you know you you can you can see the biological expression quite quickly but yeah it's it's um, it's certainly challenging I really wanted to take the opportunity to upskill in as many areas as possible and doing something computational learning how to interpret analyze data I think is so important in the modern workplace Absolutely. And um, I just wanted to be able to, um, you know, in healthcare, health informatics is going to be a huge thing. It already is, but it's going to be even more so. And from a selfish perspective, I just wanted to upskill in data science a little bit as well and really understand skin biology better. Um, so speaking to patients in clinic, um, I realised I didn't want to say this is the status quo. I wanted to sort of try and, um, you know, change things so that's really what inspired me to to undertake research of my own and also from a purely selfish perspective um you know in terms of developing new skills it's interesting you say that uh working with patients has informed your decisions as well we're we're often encouraged here to talk to patients more yeah and kind of uh, express our research to patients better do you think that's something that you're going to try and do like do I don't know, incorporate patients' opinions or into... Definitely, definitely. I mean, I think that um, engaging with patients is so important because you can... I, I think it's very easy in science, um, and I've... I mean, my parents are actually both scientists, so I've grown up surrounded by science and scientific discussions and discourse and so on. So I, you know, I've always kind of known that there's this kind of like you know you you ought because of the nature of science you specialize you learn so much detail but you can also very quickly develop tunnel vision and I think developing perspective and appreciating the bigger picture problems and what's important to patients is so is really really valuable um because I think that um it's really important to know why you're doing what you're doing and that you're actually doing what's important what's necessary and important to people so um you know we for for example one of my earliest clinical exposures in dermatology was um for the skin condition called epidermolysis bullosa Uh, it's a genetic condition where you have um impaired proteins for example at the basement membrane of the skin which means that you your skin is very fragile and you, it blisters and falls off. So in the most severe phenotypes, this can result in um, you know, very, very minimal trauma leading to um, constant wounds. And it's, very, it's an extremely debilitating condition um, with a life expectancy, I think, of average of 30. Um, and um, I think you know, a lot, there's a lot of research being done in EB and 
a lot of the research has been around regenerative uh, regenerative medicine and um, you know gene therapy, cell therapy. And the interesting thing was they did this study looking at what are the what are the patients really interested in. And one of the things that came up was um, they were really itchy and they just wanted something to treat the itch more effectively rather than a, a cure per se. Um, I suppose for the people living with a disease, you know, they the, the things that they have to deal with, they kind of uh, they've always lived with skin that's fragile and falling off and so on. And but you know, it it you don't realise necessarily that there may be things that they're experiencing which, um, when you are looking on the outside looking in, you may not observe. And I think that's um, I think that's something that comes up in loads of. Uh, public and patient engagement um, activities is that you know you we're always on the outside looking in making assumptions always you know we can't help but make assumptions so I think it's really important to try and challenge your own assumptions about what's what's important and valuable and go straight to the source of you know who's actually living with um, yeah. the, the conditions we're trying to to help I think I completely agree about mm. seeing the bigger picture in yeah. this case you often are so focused in on the minuscule details of your research that you yeah. forget completely why you're doing what you're doing yeah so yeah it's really important I think focusing on the minuscule details is essential for science of though. course yeah but it's just you, I think you need to have both yes. and um yeah I think it's really good that the centre has such a big um public engagement drive and um yeah. I think that's something which a lot of um scientists here seem to enjoy so I think that's really great yeah, absolutely yeah um, just something for my own interest, are you still doing uh, clinical work as well? Not at the moment, but um, I think maybe later on in my PhD I will do a bit of clinical work, um, depending on, um, you know, de- depending on the direction of the PhD. So, mm-hmm. as I said, I'm interested in acneiform conditions, uh, particularly a disease called hydradenitis suppurativa, which is very, very common, but almost unheard of by the general public. Um, so there are lots of patients with this condition who come to clinic here at Guys and St Thomas's, and I think that at some point in my PhD it would be really useful to um, to go to hydradenitis clinics a bit more and um, you know engage with that population. So mm. I think that's something I may do in the future. But at the moment, I think a deep immersion and dive into skin biology and data yeah. science is you, you need that kind of focus really on that to really get to grips with it and. Um, you know, I th- I think that's been my focus for the for the current time, but in the future that may that may change. I might go back into clinic a yeah. little bit more. Yeah. How have you found the move over into the lab? Um, it's really different, really really different. So your um, it's so self driven compared to clinical work. Absolutely. So um, you know, for the last six years, I've been living with a rotor written by someone else, mm-hmm. like a timetable written by someone else. So you don't have to make any of your own decisions about how you spend your time because someone's deciding it all for you and that is the total opposite of research <laughs> so um which is um a blessing and a curse because sometimes it's quite nice for you not to have to make decisions about how you spend your time um it's, i mean you know most medics probably hate having a timetable but i mean in dermatology it's not so bad we mostly clinic based so it's mm-hmm. nine to five but yeah it's it's um it's a big change having to sort of make all of your own decisions which is great for the a flexibility and plan you know planning things perspective but um it does mean that you have to make a lot more choices on a day-to-day basis and um 
yeah, that, that can sometimes be difficult because sometimes you can go into a day thinking, oh, I want to do this or achieve that. It's very easy to achieve something when you're doing clinical work because mm. you've done a clinic, you've seen 10 patients or whatever, and you're like, okay, I'm satisfied. I've done this. I've achieved something. And sometimes you can spend a whole day doing research and just have like, you know, failed experiments or failing, you know, <laughs> failing error messages on your code or whatever. So I think that's quite... Uh, you know that that's that's psychologically more challenging actually yeah yeah not just a whole day a whole week or a whole month yeah yeah well I think what I try and do is I I mix up what I do on a day-to-day basis a little bit so that um you know for my mental health so that because I've got so many different dimensions to what I'm doing because I do a bit of wet lab stuff I do a bit of computational work Mm -hmm. and then you know obviously I've had to do a lot of reading and learning as well so there's a huge mix of things that I'm doing um so if I feel too miserable about one aspect I move on to something else and then come back to it and hope that the break has given me some new insight into what I was doing before so that's kind of how I try and you know keep things a bit balanced great yeah all right I think we'll wrap it up there um thank you so much for talking to me baby um and uh, good luck with your talk thank you very much thank you (laughs) it's been a pleasure